What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, editor-in-chief at buffalorumlinks.com and host of Buffalo Rumlinks Q&A. As always, I wanted to encourage you to send in your questions for next week's episode as the Bills players are returning to Orchard Park to get ready for 2020 training camp and the 2020 NFL season. You can send us your questions using our voicemail line at 716-508-0405. Tweet us using Rumlings Q&A Twitter handle. You can email us, buffalorumlings at sbnation.com. Facebook messages and Instagram messages will work as well. You can leave comments in the comments section over at buffalorumlings.com on our show notes articles every Tuesday whenever they drop. There's lots of ways to get in touch with the show and have your questions answered as we really get into the biggest period of time where questions will be answered for the 2020 Bills, and that's training camp uh, and whatever remains of the preseason as we head into the beginning of the 2020 NFL season that's going to be always remembered as the COVID season. So get your questions in for next week's episode uh, so we have stuff to talk about. Just some housekeeping to take care of before we get to your questions this week. We wrapped up our series on the 10 best salary cap values on the bills in 2019 and wrapped up our series on the 10 worst salary cap values on the bills in 2019. We wrapped those up over the last couple weeks, so you can go back and check those out in our salary cap tab at the top of the page. We wrapped up this week our all-decade team where we ran through everything, and we'll get to the uh, all-decade team defense in the back half of the show today. I went through the offense a few weeks ago, and I'm going to go through the defense today. Um, We also have our 91 players in 91 Days series being run by Sean Murphy, so we have all of those going on right now. Uh, We also finished up our our defining plays of the 2019 season as well. Um, All of that was scheduled to end up right around the start of training camp, and all of it has been wrapped up. Uh, So make sure you can go back and check all of that stuff out. You can see which player was the player of the decade. You can see which play was the defining play of the 2019 Buffalo Bills season right now over on the homepage at buffalorumlinks.com. All of our training camp previews are now live and being published over the next week as players return uh, and go through their COVID testing. Uh, We won't get any practice reports for a little while because the Bills and the rest of the NFL players have to pass two COVID tests before they can even be in the building. So all of that stuff is happening now as we ramp up towards training camp. Now that the housekeeping's out of the way, let's get to your questions. William Kevin 24 asks us on Twitter, the Patriots just announced that they will allow fans to fill 20% of Foxborough Stadium for games. Is there any chance that Governor Cuomo will loosen his grip on Bills fans and do the same thing? 
I always think that there's a chance. I don't think there's a great chance. I think Governor Cuomo sees playing football games and having people be able to watch football games on TV as something that is um, beneficial to you know, Western New York, beneficial to folks around the state and around the country. But I don't know if he necessarily sees the fans in the stadium as being an integral part of that. Now, we know how important fans are and how important it is to go to a game. But I don't know if the governor who is worried about the state's COVID rate and health issues is going to see it the same way. Um, I just would find it very hard to believe he hasn't really hedged on the zero fans and attendance thing at all since this stuff came out just a few weeks ago. Uh, we do have a COVID-19 tracker up on buffalorumlings.com. If you scroll down past the the six articles right at the top of the page, it's pinned right there in like the seventh or eighth position on the website. So you can go check that out. Um, and we've been constantly updating it all the way since March. And one of the things that's in there, obviously, is the discussion about having fans at the stadium. Uh, there are ways, certainly, to have fans at the stadium, but I, the risks outweigh the rewards in all likelihood for both the Erie County Executive Mark Polencars and New York State Governor Andrew Cuomo. Even if you're spacing folks out in the stands, you know, there's going to be times when they are close together, whether you're talking about coming into the gates, unless you give like pre-approved gate times that are spread out throughout the morning. Uh, you're talking about things like the concession stands or uh, the restroom. So even if you can solve all of those problems as far as seating capacity actually goes, it just becomes more problematic. Now, you're talking about like houses of worship have been able to make it work. Churches have been able to make it work because they have, you know, one entrance and one exit and they're able to heavily control the flow of people into the, the space and what the people are doing in that space. But I just think the bills see it as cumbersome and Governor Cuomo sees it as kind of this bigger issue that, you know, you don't really need fans to, to have the football games. So the only reason to do it is to provide some entertainment and you're upping the risk just by having folks in there. Um, I think you're seeing more and more teams and regions saying that player that you won't see fans at games. Uh, I think the Jets and Giants just announced that as well with the governor of New Jersey. So I just find it hard to believe that you're going to see fans in the stands for NFL games in Buffalo uh, this season. Uh, you're going to see them in some other places because other governors aren't being as strict. I just would be surprised if Governor Cuomo relaxed that until there's a vaccine in place or, or something along those lines that can prevent folks from, from getting the virus. Um, oh, it, it has changed so much since March and, you know, go, go from March to May to June. And now we're in July and how things have changed in those you know two or three months. And now if you look ahead two months to, to September, of course, things can change between now and then as well. But especially if folks are worried about a second wave happening in the fall, uh, if they're worried about finishing the NFL season, all of those things are going to lead them to highly limit the number of people in the facility. 
And I did want to bring up one point about COVID testing while we're on the subject. Um, NFL teams are going to be testing all their players something like every other day. I mean, that's thousands and thousands of tests, especially if you're including people that work for the team, that work in close proximity to the players that aren't necessarily players. So when the NBA says they're doing their testing. They've got you know 10 players on a team, 12 players, 15 players. Uh, when you're talking about hockey rosters, they're smaller. Major League Baseball rosters, they're smaller. You know the NFL roster is massive compared to those other leagues, and so you're talking about a ton of testing just to get the players on the field and the essential support staff in the stadium as well. So you're talking about a lot of resources being used for NFL games to happen just on their own. Now adding fans on top of that just seems like it would be a big undertaking both for the Bills and for you know the health department or whoever. So um, I, I just think it's unlikely that you'll see fans at NFL games in 2020. Thanks for your question over on Twitter. I know it's kind of a bummer to start the show, but uh, that's kind of where we're at right now with all the COVID stuff. Along the same lines, Buffalo Bills Reddit, at Reddit Bills, asks us uh, if, if training camp and preseason are shortened or canceled, what happens to the roster bubble players and the undrafted free agents? They'll effectively lose their chance to prove themselves and make rosters. Should the NFL implement a temporary roster or practice squad expansion so teams can carry more players through the season? Maybe keep the same active game day roster size, but expand the inactive roster size or or practice squad or something like that. Yeah, I had heard that they were talking about expanding the practice squads for the 2020 season uh, because of the COVID stuff. I haven't heard anything official about that. The NFL and NFL Players Association are still wrangling some of these things. Like what's going to happen when a player tests positive for COVID? Um, they have guidelines in place now that are going to keep that person out for, for 10 days. So you're going to need expanded rosters, uh, I would think. Uh, maybe not an expanded active roster, as you were saying, but an expanded uh, practice squad, like you were saying. So if the Bills and every other team have, say, five more players on their practice squad that they can just call up um, you know, at a moment's notice if somebody's diagnosed, uh, say, say um, your long snapper is diagnosed, you need a long snapper in right away. So, uh, or, or your fullback, to, to your point b- before with uh, Reggie Gilliam, so Patrick DeMarco gets sick, you can call up Gilliam uh, from the practice squad and you're all set. Um, or even worse, if it happens in, say, the quarterback room. So having extra guys on your roster that are prepared to step in, I think, is a no-brainer and should be part of the COVID response. Now, it's going to come down to money like everything else does. The NFL is losing money this year, no doubt like everybody else is. Um, But the NFL is in a position to absorb it a little bit better because their television contract is so big. They don't necessarily rely on their in-stadium purchases and merchandise purchases. It's certainly a big part of their revenue stream, but it's not the most important part, which is the TV deal. So as long as they play games, they should be okay. The salary cap might come down in 2021 to reflect that, uh, which would be unprecedented, but is certainly something that can... um, can happen. So do I think that they're going to expand practice squads? Yes. Do I think they're going to expand the active roster? No, I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think you're going to see teams being able to carry 55 or 58 players in 2020, but maybe the practice squad expands from 10 players to 15 players so that you can get a few of those minimum deal guys 
in your system working. And uh, like you said, especially if they cancel preseason games, I know that uh, Ross Tucker was talking uh, on his podcast and on Twitter about how important those preseason games were her were for him uh, as an undrafted rookie and being able to come in and play his way onto a roster. And a lot of those guys use that game tape to get tryouts later in the year. So being able to get a preseason game in for those back-end roster players is, one, really important. But two, if, if you don't have that, you know, be, having giving the Bills the ability to have those guys on a practice squad would certainly be helpful because then, you know, the, they would at least have a job and be able to, you know, work through whatever my boss keeps calling this next 12 months, like a bridge year, you know, so these undrafted free agents, uh, back-end roster guys right now would be able to get through that bridge year with a few extra jobs uh, and the ability to get called back. And then a year from now, if we return to normal preseason games in 2021, they could be able to, you know, put their game on tape, you know, in the more traditional way. Um, so I, I do think that they will expand practice squad sizes in 2020 as part of the deal with the NFL and NFLPA that should be announced relatively soon because players are coming back to training camp and there are no exemptions right now for players who have compromised immune systems or family members with compromised immune systems. And I expect that to be announced very, very soon before rookies uh, actually get into the facility. So uh, today is the 21st and you know rookies will be reporting, but they won't be inside the facility because they'll have to go through the COVID screening first. So they still have a day or two. Uh, even the Texans and Chiefs, I believe, uh, were able to report over the weekend with rookies because they start their season a few days before everybody else. And uh, they haven't started practicing with the rookies yet because they have not passed their COVID screenings yet. So uh, there is still some time for that. Pretty COVID-heavy episode so far. Uh, so let's take a quick break and come back and talk more about the Bills. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, next question comes from at Joey Hanover on Twitter. Do you think there's potential for Mahomes or Lamar to regress this season under the current circumstances? And with the continuity and addition of weapons on the Bills offense, assuming Josh takes the next leap, is he an MVP caliber season feasible? I don't think it's feasible for Josh Allen to be MVP. Um, the, if the Bills go, say, 13-3 and three, and, you know, he he makes a nice leap and starts hitting some of those deep passes that people can stop making fun of him for nationally. Sure. There's a chance that he could be MVP. I just think that that would be a really big leap. Um, there, there certainly is a chance that Lamar 
Jackson is going to regress this season. Um, regression to the mean is always going to happen. You saw that after Mahomes and his massive 50-touchdown season. He came back to the mean. Um, it just wasn't sustainable. And I think Lamar Jackson is going to come back to the mean as well. And that has nothing to do with COVID. It just has to do with you know percentages and, and laws of averages. Um, but I don't think like Mahomes is going to crater out or, um, you know, the, the Ravens are going to be like an absolute tire fire. They just they have long enough track records, maybe not Lamar Jackson in particular, but his team and Greg Roman, uh, the offensive coordinator in Baltimore. Uh, and of course, Mahomes and Andy Reid have long enough track records where they're not going to like crater. So um, those are not obviously the only two people competing for the MVP with Josh Allen. But I just think that. Allen would have to take a pretty sizable leap from year two to year three. Uh, and maybe he does. Maybe he gets into that um, MVP conversation. But the Bills playing the schedule that they're playing against some great defenses, um, having to travel to the West Coast so much, you know, I just don't see a 13 and three year from the Bills. And so I think that would be the precursor toward Josh Allen getting the MVP. I know wins aren't a QB stat, as Bruce Nolan explained eloquently on this podcast uh, network last week, but in the MVP race, they certainly are, you know, something that's taken into account. Uh, so thanks for your question, uh, Hanover, Joey Hanover on Twitter. Absolutely Paco asks us, why do fans share so many clips and photos from losses? We need to leave those games in the past. Who cares if we had a good play or two? Well, this goes to the growth mindset piece that Sean McDermott has been talking about for a long time. Not every game is going to be perfect, and you have to take the good from the bad games and the bad from the good games. So if if you win a game and you're just like, oh, we won that game, let's just watch it and have fun watching it and not do anything to improve on the things that you know weren't good in that game, you're going to be overtaken by people that are working harder than you. And the same thing happens if you just go to a loss and say, ah, it was a loss. There's nothing we can learn from it. It was just bad. So sharing clips from games allows you to get better as a team. Now, from fans' point of view, it also allows you to see things that are working well, see things that you can take and apply in new situations or or maybe analyze you know, what went right and then put it right next to what went wrong. And that juxtaposition allows you to kind of pinpoint where the Bills or any NFL team would need to improve. So if you can say, okay, we did it right this time and we did it wrong this time, what what was the reason for doing it wrong? Was it just a mental error or was it, um, you know, he didn't get off his block because the guy held him or whatever it happens to be? Um, you know, going Look back at the Texans game. Are there things that we can take from that Texans game that give us hope for the future? Absolutely. Um, you know, if one guy makes a block in overtime or if there is one penalty that's called differently or the kickoff return is called differently where the Texans fumbled or sorry, illegal forward passed the ball in the end zone. Like if, if one of those things goes differently, the Bills win that game. So it's not like you can't take anything away from that game and say, okay, this is a positive and we can build on that. I, I, I think that's what it absolutely comes down to. Absolutely, Paco. So it's the growth mindset piece as far as the team is concerned, but it's also the you know looking for positives that you can build off of and ways to improve as as fans watch and take away those positives from the negative games. And, and negative outcomes don't necessarily mean you can't learn anything from them. 
So thanks for that question over on Twitter at RumlingsQ&A. Jeremy Trek asks us, I'm from Iowa. I've never been to a game. At what age should I take my son to a game? He is three. Uh, I've been thinking about this a lot because I have a nine-year-old and a five-year-old now, and I'm trying to figure out when would be a, a good age to take them. Now, obviously, I don't think we're going to be taking them in 2020, uh, but moving forward into the future, uh, if you're going to a preseason game, uh, the Kids' Day game is usually a great atmosphere. There's a lot of stuff for people to do, and a lot of people bring their kids. Plus, it's a preseason game, so you don't get that um, huge crowd of people that are just there for you know a huge party. I will say this. Um, it's going to be a while before I take my kids to a regular season Bills game. And it it's mostly because of what happens in the parking lot before and after the game. Um, I've just seen too many things that I would feel really uncomfortable bringing my kids to see uh, to to bring my kids before they're you know, 15, 16, somewhere in there. Um, people picking fights, uh, people... Drinking to the point of you know falling over, all of that stuff definitely happens at Bills games. Uh, you know, people getting in fights inside the stadium. So it really depends on where you're sitting in the stadium and how vigilant you want to be in the parking lot. If you want to go to a Bills parking lot and um, sit in the kids section or you know behind the glass in one of the you know, the booths or the the boxes, like there's there's ways you can take kids at a younger age. But at least where I have been tailgating and where I have been sitting, it's just not a family-friendly environment, and it's not conducive to that. It's one of the reasons I think the, the Pugulas are looking downtown to building their new stadium, because they, can, they, they can't eliminate the tailgating aspect of the game, I don't think. Uh, too many Bills fans are, are going to find a way around that. But they can at least spread it out so it's not as concentrated in those massive private lots and public lots uh, around the Bills Stadium. So if you do put it downtown, it would at least spread out a little bit just because there's not as much you know open space, open land to do that. So um, I wouldn't take my kids until later, but maybe that's just me being conservative. I don't know. I, when we tailgate, I don't see any kids at my tailgate. Uh, so it's just because it may be the people I hang out with. Uh, it may be the folks that I see in the, you know, the 300 section uh, at the top of the stadium. But uh, that's just my take and that's what you asked for. So <laughs> thanks for the question over on Twitter at Rumblings Q&A. All right, I teased at the top of the show that I was going to do the all-decade team, so we're going to run a little bit long today and do the Buffalo Bills all-decade defense. I've already done the offense a few episodes ago, but uh, we start with the defensive linemen, Kyle Williams, Marcel Darius, Starletulale are our three options for the first defensive lineman. I'm going with Kyle Williams. I think he was the best player on the Bills over the course of the decade. I think that's pretty easy. Bills fans agreed with me. It was an overwhelming win for Kyle Williams as the number one defensive lineman on the Bills throughout the 2010s. We move to edge rusher number one. Uh, the three options are Mario Williams, Jerry Hughes, and Lorenzo Alexander, along with Shaq Lawson, as the four options for the all-decade team pass rusher. I'm going to go with... Uh, Mario Williams. I think his peak was better than Jerry Hughes' peak, and I just think he was a stud when his head was actually in 
the game. So I'm going to go edge rusher number one uh, as Mario Williams, linebacker number one. A lot of different options here as well. Um, we've got Nick Barnett, Preston Brown, Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds. Um, Tremaine Edmonds won this poll going away. I think he has the most talent of the guys that we listed there. He doesn't necessarily have the track record, but really none of them had a great track record. Preston Brown had a lot of tackles. Um, Nick Barnett wasn't here for really long enough to, to make a huge impact. So I'll go with the fan vote here, and I'll pick Tremaine Edmonds as well. For defensive lineman number two, now that Kyle Williams is off the board, uh, it's Marcel Darius, Star Latulale, and Jordan Phillips is my three options. I'm going with Marcel Darius, I think, especially at his peak right before he re-signed with the Bills. He was very, very good, um, and that's where the fans went in their voting as well. So our two defensive linemen are Marcel Darius and Kyle Williams. Then we get into the secondary. We uh, have... The safeties to look at, we have Jairus Bird, George Wilson, uh, Aaron Williams, Corey Graham, Micah Hyde, and Jordan Poyer. Some really tough decisions here at the safety position. Uh, Bills fans voted for Jairus Bird, and um, I'm going to go with Jairus Bird as well. He certainly played very, very well on his rookie deal with the Bills, um, so much so that they decided they were going to franchise tag him and uh, just couldn't work out a long-term deal with him. I think it was a very close decision, and you could go with almost anybody on that list for your safety uh, on the All-Decade team. Cornerback number one, I'm not even going to read the list. Uh, I'm going to just say Tredavious White as the top cornerback for the Bills. Um, the other guys, Drayton Florence, uh, Leotis McKelvin, Stephon Gilmore. Um, I, Trey White has played the best as a member of the Bills. Stephon Gilmore, of course, going on to become the Defensive Player of the Year and an All-Pro with the New England Patriots. But in Buffalo, Tredavious White, I think, played better than Gilmore did in uh, on their rookie deals. So let's go with Tredavious White as cornerback number one. Uh, our second linebacker, we've got Nick Barnett, Preston Brown, uh, Lorenzo Alexander, and Matt Milano to choose from. I'm going to go with uh, Matt Milano. Um, which kind of bucks the trend of what the fans picked. The fans picked Lorenzo Alexander here. Um, I don't think Lorenzo Alexander played particularly great at linebacker. I think he was a great pass rusher from the linebacker position. Uh, but I'm, if you're talking about like linebacker position as a whole, like not rushing from the defensive tackle spot or the defensive end spot, which is what he did a lot, um, I'm going to go with Matt Milano and go away from what the, the fans picked for our all-decade team. Uh, for the second safety position, George Wilson, Aaron Williams, Micah Hyde, and Jordan Poyer are you know, sitting here uh, for me to pick from. It was very close between Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer uh, for our fans. Uh, they have went with Micah Hyde as the all-decade safety. I'm going to go with Aaron Williams, and I'm going to lump in his time at cornerback in there as well. I think Aaron Williams is a very good player for the Bills and was very underrated uh, during his time in Buffalo. Um, I, I don't have a ton of like stats or anything like that to back it up. I just think that he was able to transition to that safety position and really made an impact, so the Bills gave him that second contract. Uh, he wasn't able to finish because of his injury, but 
I just I really liked what he brought to the table. Uh, for the cornerback two position, I think it's pretty easy for me to, to pick Stephon Gilmore. Uh, he was very good in Buffalo. I don't think he was as good as Tredavious White was on their respective rookie deals, but um, I'm going to go with Stephon Gilmore. And uh, Bills fans did that too. Uh, it was an overwhelming majority for Stephon Gilmore for the second cornerback position. For the defensive flex spot, uh, we got to pick somebody else. Uh, so Lorenzo Alexander, Jordan Poyer were the last two choices here for the Bills fans. Um, uh, or sorry, in my polling for Bills fans, it was it came down to Milano and Poyer, and they chose Poyer as the defensive flex position, and I think that was a good choice uh, for Bills fans. I did want to make one note that. Um, Jerry Hughes and Mario Williams, because they were tied, uh, we did not run a second pass rusher poll. We just put Mario Williams and Jerry Hughes onto the All-Decade team together. So uh, even though I didn't mention that when I was talking about the defensive ends, that is something that did happen. Um, the All-Decade head coach, while I really like Chan Gailey and what he was able to do with a whole lot of nothing, uh, it, the All-Decade coach is Sean McDermott. Um he might be the all-decade coach for the 2020s as well. Let's hope he is. Uh, so all that stuff is on buffalorumlings.com right now. Uh, they also did kick returner, punt returner, punter, and kicker. You can go check all of that stuff out at buffalorumlings.com in the um, all-decade team tab. That's uh, a little bit down the, the homepage that's been tagged there for a while. And you can go check that out. We'll keep that up for another few weeks. But uh, let's just go back through my all-decade team defense. Kyle Williams and Marcel Darius as your two defensive linemen. Uh, Jerry Hughes and Mario Williams as the two pass rushers. At linebacker, I had Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. Cornerback was Tredavious White and Stephon Gilmore. At safety, I had Jarris Bird and Aaron Williams. And then my defensive flex player would probably have been Lorenzo Alexander in that scenario. Uh, obviously, that's not how it shook out with our fan voting, which is why I'm just kind of hypothetically spitballing that uh, defensive flex position. But especially because he was a defensive flex, uh, Lorenzo Alexander makes a ton of sense there as a member of my all-decade team. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. As always, you can leave your questions for next week's episode by calling in and leaving a voicemail 24 hours a day over at 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at Rumblings Q&A on Twitter. You can send us emails, Rumblings at sbnation.com. Facebook messages or Instagram messages will work as well. You can leave comments in the comments section of our show notes articles at Buffalo rumblings.com every Tuesday when the show drops. There's lots of ways to get in touch with the show. Have your questions answered as we really kick off the NFL season next week with the opening of training camp. So get those training camp questions in and we'll go from there. Go Bills! What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. 
So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.